Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the New Testament. And the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians. The book of 1 Corinthians. We, of course, are having a very special Thanksgiving message for a Thanksgiving service and a time that we reflect upon the Lord and be a thankful people for what God has done. And so tonight, if you don't mind, we're going to take a break from where we've been at and turn to the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians. The book of 1 Corinthians and chapter number 1. The book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. Paul is preparing to write a letter to correct some behavior that is found within the church of Corinth. But he starts off with a different tenor to start the message off to try to put a tone of how much he loves them and how thankful to the Lord he is for some of the things God has done within the church of Corinth. And so if you don't mind to take your copy of the word of God, turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter number 1. The Bible says this, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sonithinus, our brother, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ. That in everything ye are enriched by him in in all utterance and in all knowledge. Even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. So that ye come behind in no gift waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ who shall also confirm you unto the end, that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you are called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of 1 Corinthians? The book of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and notice the first four words that are found in verse number 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 4, I thank my God. I thank my God. And with the Lord's help, we want to preach as the Apostle Paul is being thankful for what God has done in the church of Corinth. This study here, I thank my God. I thank my God. And if you don't mind, let's talk to that same God right now. 
Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for the great privilege it is to be here on this night. And as we've already heard testimonies of thankfulness, that we are thankful for this church. We're thankful for the Bible and the Word of God. We're thankful to be able to be born in this country and the freedoms that we have so far. We're thankful for the grace that you've bestowed upon us. And as we open up this Bible passage here and see some of the things that Paul is thankful for concerning the church of Corinth, that we could reflect upon our own selves and be thankful for these very same things. That you would help us to be a thankful people, knowing what a great and wonderful God that we truly serve. Once again, these good folks have come out on a special night, and I have no desire to waste their time. I ask that you fill me with your precious spirit, so that way you can get your work accomplished. That you would help us in the next couple days as we celebrate this Thanksgiving holiday, to help us to be a thankful people, as we've had our minds enriched and encouraged in the knowledge of you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Apostle Paul is about ready to write a very heartbreaking book of the book of 1 Corinthians. You see, the Apostle Paul had went to the, church, uh, to the city of Corinth uh, several years before this and had started the church and had pastored the church for a while. And now as he's starting another church and he's at the tail end of his stay in the city of Ephesus, he has heard some news and some disturbing reports that the church of Corinth has been in rebellion, that they're full of carnality and there is awful things going on. And so with pen and paper and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he takes time to write and correct the church of Corinth. Now, to give it more of an understanding of what is going on, that we need to understand the city of Corinth. That the city of Corinth itself was a very wicked city. Now, you have the city of Athens where it's a very intellectual and it was a very hard city because everyone thought they were the pinnacle. They were basically believing in evolution, meaning that they've arrived. They, they don't need any help because they're the perfect men. The Greeks and the Athenians especially had looked at themselves, we are the best of the best. And the problem is, is if you think you're, you're the best, then you don't need a savior. If you think that you've arrived, you don't need a savior. And so Paul had dusted off his feet and he made his way to the city of Corinth, which was the exact exact opposite. The best of the best was not found in the city of Corinth. It was the worst of the worst. The city of Corinth was a sailor's town. It was <laughs> located on what is called the Isthmus of Corinth, and it is a city that actually connects <laughs> a portion of Greece from the mainland of Europe to more of a, a, a an island, <laughs> excuse me, off the coast. And so what would happen in order to save time for the sailors, instead of them going around the <laughs> part of Greece that jutted into the Mediterranean Sea, that they made their own type of canal. And so these men of Corinth, they were hardworking laborers. What they would do is they would lift up ships from off the water and almost using ropes and, and logs and and wheels and pulleys, they would move a ship over land and dump it into the other side of the water. 
So that way the sailors wouldn't have to sail all the way around. And it was very hard work. It was very manual work. And it, would, it, um, <coughs> it attracted a certain class of people. And so because of this, there was drunkenness. There was lewdness, which has the idea of sexual type sins. It was very much the idea of the city of sin. So much so that there became a phrase in the Greek language to do the Corinth, to be as a Corinthian. And that was considered a very bad insult. If somebody called you a Corinthian, they were calling you a name that meant you were someone who was the dredge. You were low of low. You were full of sin. You were full of sexual sins. It'd almost be like, hey, you're someone who's from Las Vegas. You're someone who lives off the strip. That type of connotation of a person of sin and debauchery. And so this city was so bad that it got its own phrase to do the Corinthian with someone who was very lewd, very sexual, very debased, and very debauched. And yet out of this city of sin, God allowed Paul to come and lead people to the Lord. And people got to be saved from the dredge of society, from the... From the sin city of that time, people came to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And they formed together in a church. And Paul taught them. And he loved on them and worked with them. However, as Paul left, there was still a lot of carnality. The church of Corinth was one of the biggest churches of the ancient world. Now, outside of Jerusalem, which was a huge church, and Antioch, which was a powerful church. The church of Corinth was one of the biggest churches. Even though it only boasted of about a hundred members, it was considered a gigantic church in the ancient world. And it had money because people were workers there. People had money. <coughs> uh, it was one of the richest and biggest churches in the ancient world. But it came with carnality that people began to think about how great they were instead of how great Christ was. And they began to misuse the gifts that God had provided to them and use it for their own satisfaction, for their own edification, for their own exaltedness instead of using it for the Lord. And so the Apostle Paul has to take time to write a letter and he is going to have to set things in order in the church of Corinth. Many things he has to put in order. Lord's Supper, dealing with church discipline, this, the sign gifts, using uh, the spiritual gifts, doing this, doing this, setting this aside. And he's going to have to write a letter that there's almost no good thing said. It's correction after correction after correction. Now, before Paul begins with the correction, he starts off with this good note. There's some things I want to thank the Lord concerning you. There's some things I want to thank God about. Before I start telling you about the bad, let me tell you what I'm thankful for. And so the Apostle Paul takes time under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to tell this church some things that he is thankful for. If you don't mind, I'd like to list these things that Paul is thankful for. The very first thing he is thankful for is he's thankful for God's grace. He is thankful for God's grace. Notice with me in verse number 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 3. Grace be unto you and peace from our God from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always on your behalf. Why? 
for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ. And these two verses, God says the same thing. Grace. Grace. I'm thankful for what God has done in their life. I'm thankful for God's grace. Someone will say, all right, well, that's nice, but what does grace mean? What is he referring to? Well, some people use it as an acrostic to help them remember. They would say it is God's riches at Christ's expense. That's what they say grace is. If you don't mind, grace is this. It's getting what we don't deserve. It is God giving us what we don't deserve. And Paul is telling this church, let me tell you this. I'm thankful for God's grace. I'm thankful that God has given you some things that you don't deserve. You know what they don't deserve? They don't deserve salvation. You know what we don't deserve? We don't deserve salvation. You know what we do deserve? We deserve an awful place called hell. You know, part of the things that holds us back in service of God is when we don't realize how much God has truly blessed us. When we get to the place where we feel entitled, when we get to the place where we feel like we deserve things, that's when we start messing up. That's when we start to become unthankful. The very first step in backsliding, according to the Bible, is to be unthankful. And unthankfulness comes from a non-appreciation of what God has done for us. I deserve hell. And so do you. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. Because we have sinned, we have offended a holy, righteous God. We deserve to be separated from him and go to an awful place called hell. The only reason why I am not burning in hell right now is because of God's grace. I do not deserve to be alive right now. I have God's grace. Do you know anything outside of salvation is gravy? It's frosting. It's a topping. That God is not just given a salvation and say, there you go, have at it. But he continues to heap blessing upon blessing upon blessing on it. And it's none of it we deserve. We don't deserve so many different things. We don't deserve God's favor. But yet God shows us his favor. God, we don't deserve... To have houses. Many of us have houses, if not all of us. None of you are worrying about where am I going to sleep at tonight. God has provided more than enough food for us. There's people all around the world that are starving. And yet we are happy and with the food. And we have so many choices that we get bored if we eat the same food over and over. God has truly blessed us. We have got God's grace. We have so much to be thankful for. It's all done by God's grace. God has provided his word. He has provided so many things for us. And we need to be a thankful person, people. And so Paul, as he's preparing to write to the church of Corinth, he starts off and let me say, I'm so thankful for God's grace. I'm so thankful for all the things that God has given you that you don't deserve. He has given you so much. And I'm thankful for God's grace. There's something else that Paul says that he's thankful for. Not only is he thankful for God's grace. But notice this. He is thankful for the church's gifts. He's thankful 
for the church's gifts. Notice with me in verse number 5. That in everything ye are enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge. He says, I am so thankful that you've been enriched. You've been been given gifts. That word enriched carries that idea. You have been given riches. God has given you some gifts. And these certain type of gifts that he's given you helps the church. Notice some of these gifts that he gave them. That in everything ye are enriched in him. Notice this. First of all, in all utterance. In all utterance. The word utterance carries in its basic form the ability to speak and to write. The ability to speak and to write. And he's saying, hey, I'm so thankful to the Lord that God has given you the ability to speak and write, to be able to communicate, to be able to hear the truth, to be able to tell others about the Lord, to be able to use gifts that God has given to you. Now, of course, Paul is going to have to correct them in their misuse of their gifts, but God has given them great gifts of utterance. But not only utterance, but notice this in verse 5, that in everything you are enriched in Him, in all utterance and in all knowledge. And in all knowledge. Do you know that the church of Corinth had been a blessed church? We can see this, even though it's a negative connotation. Later on, Paul is going to correct them because they're divided up. The church is divided up into four different groups. You have the people, I'm of Paul. And then you have others, I'm of Apollos. Others that said, I'm of Cephas. And then the super spiritual ones, I'm of Christ. But the church is divided into four different groups. But if you think about it, why are they divided into four different groups? Well, the first group, I'm of Paul. That's because Paul started the church. Paul led most of them to the Lord. And Paul discipled many of them. Could you imagine what a privilege you would have to have the Apostle Paul to be your pastor for a while? For him to be able to teach you the Word of God. Imagine what a great privilege it was that Paul came knocking on your door one day. Maybe he met you in the market and he said, do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? I don't know who Jesus is. Can I take a moment to tell you about Jesus? Well, sure. And next thing you know, he's taking his Bible and opening up the Bible, telling you what the Word of God says, and you bow your head in the middle of the fish market, and you get saved, and your life is turned around, and it was Paul that led you to the Lord. And you show up to church service and say, what in the world? I've never been to anything like this before. And Paul teaches from the Word of God. They sing songs. Later on, he comes up to you and he says, I want to help you out. I want you to go through discipleship. You know what discipleship is? It's developing the habit of obedience to Christ. And I would love to take some personal time with you and tell you some things from the Bible and to help you to learn how to walk with Christ. Would you like that? Well, sure. Could you imagine what it would be like for Paul, the apostle, to disciple you? To take the Bible, to tell you the things of the Lord, to ask questions of him, to learn from him. Oh, what a great privilege those folks had. That's why later on, and it was out of pride, but some people said, listen, I'm for Paul. I want to stick with Paul because Paul had influenced them so much. Paul led them to the Lord. He pastored them. He discipled them. He invested in them. 
What a great privilege this church had. They had gifts of knowledge. But not only Paul, there was also another group that said, I am of Apollos. Who was Apollos? Apollos had come from the, from the um, <coughs> educational center of the ancient world <coughs> in Alexandria, Egypt. He had grown up with all this knowledge. He had grown up knowing the scriptures. And the Bible says he spoke eloquently. Now Paul was a rough and tumble man. He would just tell you what he thought. Listen here, you need to obey the scriptures. This is what the Bible said. But Apollos, he was the traveling evangelist. He would come in and he would preach the word of God. And he would say the same things Paul said. But sometimes when they hear the evangelist say it, the people respond and say, I've never heard it like that before. And so Apollos would come and he would eloquently preach the Bible. And so many people's lives were changed because Apollos came and he helped them out. What a great privilege it would have to have a preacher like Apollos come in from time to time. And to teach people the word of God. They truly were blessed with the idea of knowledge. And then you had the crowd that said, I'm of Cephas. Now as far as we can tell... Cephas is Peter. Peter had never shown up to the city of Corinth. He had never showed up here. However, there was some people who had gone to Jerusalem. They had Maybe there were some Hebrew people. Corinth was made, made, uh, mostly a Gentile church, meaning it was made up of non-Hebrew people. But there was some people that maybe they went to Jerusalem. Maybe they, uh, some Hebrew people did show up. But there were some people there that had brought the Old Testament scriptures. And the knowledge of the Old Testament. Remember, the Greek people didn't grow up in church. They didn't grow up in Sunday school. The people of Corinth never heard about the life of David or Moses. But somebody brought with them the knowledge of the Old Testament. And began to teach them the law. Began to teach them about Moses. Began to teach them about the prophets. And what a great privilege it was. That someone took the Old Testament scriptures. And was able to enrich them in knowledge. Of the Old Testament. To help them to have a better understanding. Of who Christ was. Because the Old Testament foundation was laid. Truly this was a church that had great knowledge. And they were blessed. And Paul is saying, I'm so thankful for the church's gifts. Because this is a church that was given gifts that not every church had the opportunity to have. If you don't mind, may I apply it here today? That God has blessed this church. I know that I'm no one special, but we do try to teach the Bible. We do try to open up the word of God. And not every church has that opportunity. Not everyone has the opportunity to be able to ask questions and be able to give, get answers to some of these questions and to enrich their knowledge. And Paul is saying this is something we should be thankful for. Not everyone had that great privilege. But he's saying I'm thankful for the gifts that God had given to the church. What gifts? Verse 5. In that everything ye are enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge. 
As Paul continues with this letter, as he's introducing it and saying, before I talk about anything, I want to tell you some things I'm thankful for. First of all, I'm thankful for God's grace, that God's given us what we don't deserve. I'm also thankful for the church's gifts, that God has given the church, enriched the church with utterance and with knowledge. He's given them a special privilege that not all churches have. And I'm so thankful that God had provided this church with those things. He says, I'm also thankful for something else. I'm thankful for the congregation's testimony. I'm thankful for the congregation's testimony. Notice with me in verse number 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 6. Even as the testimony of Christ, which was confirmed in you, so that you came behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall also confirm you to the end, that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's talking to him that God has done a change in their life. He has done something special in their life. What did God do? Well, hold your finger here. We're going to come back to it. But look with me in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. As Paul goes on and he gives exactly what he is meaning in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. What happened to these church people? What is the difference in their life? What is it that he's thankful for concerning their testimony? Well, notice with me in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and notice with me starting at verse number 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators. Fornicators has the idea of those who are involved in sexual sins outside of marriage. Notice as he names these sins. He's, he's telling it, the unrighteous should not inherit the, inherit the kingdom of God. What are we talking about those who are unrighteous? We're talking about fornicators. We're talking about idolaters. Idolaters is someone who places another God above God himself. Maybe it's a child, maybe it's work, maybe it's another false god, but they're idolaters. They worship something other than God. Notice this, adulterers. These are people that are unfaithful in marriage. Those people, God says, they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Notice this next word, this is very important. It says, nor effeminate. The word effeminate carries the idea of the absence of masculinity. This is, stop it guys. This is the people here. God says the effeminate will not inherit the kingdom of God. Nor the abusers of themselves with mankind. Which is again another debased and horrible type sins. Nor thieves. Nor covetous. Nor drunkards. Nor revilers. Nor extortioners. Shall inherit the kingdom of of God. Now this is some pretty emphatic things. God says these people will not inherit the kingdom of God. But don't stop there. Notice the next verse. And such were some of you. But ye are washed. But ye are sanctified. But ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Paul says, hey, those people won't inherit the kingdom of God. But let me tell you, 
Some of you were there. Some of you were fornicators, but you got saved. Some of you were idolaters, but you got saved. Some of you were idolaters, but you were washed. Some of you were effeminate, but you became justified. Some of you were abusers of yourself and mankind, but now you're right with God. Some of you were thieves and you got saved. Some of you were covetous. Some were drunkards. Some were revilers. Some of you were extortioners. But let me tell you, some of you were those things, but God has done something in your life and you're no longer those things. You were washed in the blood of the Lamb. You were a sinner, but now you're not. You understand what a big deal it was to have a church of saved, washed in the blood, regenerate, justified people in the city of Corinth? The city of Corinth was worse than Las Vegas. It was a place where you would walk out the streets and you would see sin and drunkenness and horribleness and this and that and this. And it was horrible. And it was such a common everyday thing. It was no big deal to see drugs. It was no big deal to see alcohol. It was no big deal to see this sin. It was no big deal to see this abomination. It was everyday place. It was a part of society. But out of that society, people came to know Christ as their Savior. And out of that society, those saved people gathered together and they worshiped God. And they tried to live their lives different. You want to know what the greatest evidence that the Bible is true? The greatest evidence that what we say about the Word of God is true? The evidence of a changed life. And as, as horrible as this, and a carnal as the church of Corinth was, let me tell you, they were different than the rest of the city of Corinth. The church of Corinth was a light in that dark world. And Paul is saying, let me remind you where you came from. Let me tell you about the testimony that has happened in your life. Go back to chapter 1 and verse Excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And notice with me again in verse number 6. He says, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, you've been saved and God has provided and equipped you. He's given you everything you need to live the Christian life. And now you're waiting for Jesus Christ to come back. Why? Verse number 8. Who shall also confirm you unto the end that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. The, that day of the Lord Jesus Christ carries the idea of the day that we stand before him and are judged. You understand, as wicked and vile, as carnal as these, Christians, uh, car, uh, these Corinthians Christians were, they were saved in the blood. They were washed clean. And when they stand before God, God sees Jesus' account on them. They are justified. It was not just if, if they were... <clears throat> it's not just as if they had never sinned. It was just as if they had never been sinners. They were washed that clean. And now because of what Jesus Christ did for them, they can inherit the kingdom of God because they're washed clean. 
He says, I'm thankful for the testimony of this church. I'm thankful that as many things as I got to correct, let me tell you, you used to be sinners. You used to be awful sinners. You used to be debauched sinners. But God has done a work in you to prove that the Bible was true after all. That the testimony of Christ is true. You have evidence of a changed life. And I'm thankful I can see that evidence. I'm thankful for that testimony that you've been saved. And that your life is different now. Something happened to you when you gave your life to Jesus. As Paul continues on, he says there's something else that I'm thankful for. He says, I'm thankful for God's grace. I'm thankful for the church's gifts. I'm thankful for the congregation's testimony. But I'm also thankful for the fellowship with Christ. I'm also thankful for the fellowship with Christ. Notice with me in verse number 9. God is faithful. By whom you are called unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. May I remind you that, test, uh, that fellowship and relationship are two different things. That relationship changes in our life when Jesus Christ saved us. We now become part of his family. We now become God's children. And we can never be disinherited. We can never be disowned. We can never be divorced. That relationship is uh, stable. But God is not just satisfied with us having a relationship with us. He wants us to have fellowship with him. He wants us to be able to have friendship with him. That's why God saved us in the first place. So he can have fellowship. And we can have fellowship with God. Because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Because of who Jesus Christ is. Turn with me once again to chapter 6. And watch as Paul clarifies this. And gives us an understanding. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Paul is saying, I am thankful that we can have fellowship with Christ. That we can have a personal relationship with him. We can speak with him. We can hang out with Jesus. It's because of what Jesus Christ has done for us that we can talk to God. We can spend time with Jesus Christ. We can walk with the Lord. Why? Because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Notice with me 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and notice with me if you don't mind in verse number 19. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 19. What? Know ye not that friendship, or know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you? You understand when you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within you. The Holy Spirit lives within you. You have God in you. What? Know ye not that your body, which is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You know why we could fellowship with God? Because now God lives within us. Because of what Jesus Christ has done, we now have access to God. Because of his Holy Spirit, he lives within us. And we can have fellowship with him. Our God is not afar off. He is not distant. He is not just around the corner. Our God is with us. And we could spend time with him. And we could talk with him. And Paul is saying, I'm thankful for this. That we can have fellowship 
with Christ. As you can see, those are some great things to be thankful for. Are you thankful for God's grace? Are you thankful that God gives you things that you don't deserve, starting with salvation, and that you look at your life and look at all the blessings that God has given to you? What a great God that we have. Are you thankful that God has given you the privilege where the Bible is opened up, where the Bible is clearly taught, where the Bible is tried to make clear so you can understand it? Are you thankful for that? Are you thankful that you can have a Bible for yourself and that you have the ability to read it for yourself and to look at it for yourself? Are you thankful for your Bible? Are you thankful for God's gifts that he's given to you? Are you thankful for your testimony that you look back and say, this is what I was? I may not be what I'm going to be, but thank God I'm not what I was. That God has saved me. He has delivered me from sin. Are you thankful that you can have a personal relationship with God? Are you thankful that you could talk to God anytime you want? You could pray. You could spend time with Him. Are you thankful for those things that God has done for you? As Paul again is preparing to correct the church of Corinth, he starts off with this positive. Let me tell you some things that I'm thankful for. And as we begin this holiday season and Thanksgiving here this week, are you a thankful person? When you stop to think about it, there is so much for you to be thankful for. Maybe tonight, you just want to take some time to tell God what you're thankful for. When's the last time you talked to God one-on-one -on -one and said, God, thank you for saving me? When's the last time you look back and say, you know what? I don't deserve salvation. You look back at your debauchedness, your sin, your past life, and say, you know, God has really delivered and done something to me. Are you thankful for what God has done for you? When's the last time you talked to God and said, thank you for let me pray to you, that you answer prayers, that you listen to me, that you actually care for me. We have so much to be thankful for. And it's all because of Jesus Christ. It's all because of God and his love for us and his faithfulness to us. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.